Welcome in to the 16th installment of the Dogs Bat Football Podcast. Here we are in Manhattan, Kansas. Yes, we made the trip as we've been saying this whole time what we would do. Here we are. We just got here honestly about 20 minutes ago and we had to quickly set up our um, set here to be able to give you guys this Kansas State preview. We were actually right outside where they had a like a pre-party kind of deal out here near our hotel and I'm not, uh, we'll admit it was not cheap to stay here tonight especially in this decent area we are in so we'll get into it. we also have some unfortunate news we will break with but first i am your host nick malone joined by my co-host as usual know what's going on man yeah uh finally got off the road long trip out here wasn't too bad of a drive to me but uh yeah, we are here. We are in our hotel room uh, right down the road from the university. And, yeah, right outside we can still hear where Mike Reese was and maybe still be the pep rally for Kansas State's game tomorrow. We've seen a lot of purple on our way in here. So we are excited for tomorrow. Without a doubt. It's kind of an understatement. And we knew we wanted to get this pot out and wait the week after our previous one for this moment for getting here and saying that it was on the road and actually doing it on the road we think that's kind of cool to do that because we don't know how many times we'll be able to do that this year for football or basketball so here we are noah yeah we are here for the game tomorrow at six o'clock kansas state uh but we do have let's start out with some unfortunate news here that we found out last night kind of late kind of like the around the same time we heard about simo and their uh seating situation that broke itself and this is more unfortunate, obviously, Noah, that uh, Liz Jarnigan has been, I guess, well, she's gone. Whether it's relieved of her duties or fired, that I don't think that's officially out yet what happened. But this, Noah, because we know the great job that she has done in her little time here, which we even got the chance, as we mentioned, we talked to her at Dogwood Social last week before the SEMO game and told her how good of a job she was doing. She was really nice, told us some things about you know, everything that goes on for the most part, and it's it's sad to see, man. I mean, like I said, what a great job she's done, and it's just really unfortunate. Yeah, it's really unfortunate, especially at the timing it has been. To, uh, you have the fall sports really kicking in high gear here, and we know what she's done for us in the spring for football. We've got some games, and yeah, it's just unfortunate. Uh, we don't know why. It's as, as sudden as it was, I would say, something she did or said or breached the contract she was under or something to be happening here. Yet they said they were making a statement today. We are yet to see something. I know that Todd Hefferman reached out to her, and she, she directed all questions to her attorney, which if there's attorney involved, I know it's business, but I when I think attorney involved, it's never a good sign. So Yeah, that it would be kind of a serious juncture of certain – because we know, like we said, she's a great person – and you're right, because we were going to get to a interview she had with Mike talking about scheduling FBS schools and such that had to have been filmed maybe two days ago. And yeah, this did seem really, really sudden. And you're right, an attorney involved, we think it's serious. Who knows? And we've seen a lot of things saying that we're honestly not sure that we'll ever find out what it was. And we knew that the program was maybe going to release a statement today. We have not seen that yet. Uh, but we do know Austin Lane, the chancellor, came out with a a uh, quote about Liz. Um, Please join me in thanking Liz Jarnigan for her three years of service to SIU. 
the last two of which were, were as our athletic director. We appreciate Liz's work on Title IX and the competitive and academic successes of the students and programs under her watch. The university will launch a national search in coming weeks to name a new athletic director for our outstanding student athletes, coaches, and staff. In the meantime, SIE will announce temporary leadership for the division in the near future. We wish Liz well in her future endeavors and are grateful for her dedication to Saluki Athletics. As we said, this was unfortunate, but he mentioned interim and Noah, as we know, we have known pretty much from the start when it was announced for the most part that Matt Kupek, former quarterback at North Carolina, joined SIU as a, as a CEO of the SIU Foundation last September. He will be the interim AD according to multiple sources. Yeah, that is a, sounds like a good stopgap for until we can get our search over with. As we know, Liz came in with Jerry Kill, and once he left us, he, she got the job. And we know back in 2019, she signed a was it a five, five year five yeah. year annual salary of two hundred twenty one thousand dollars. But we know she faced incredible hur- hurdles less than a year in with COVID nineteen, basically shutting down the university and the United States as a whole and the world as a whole, almost and. They could only offer staff and players, families, members of mission to games. So that, because state laws restricted that, and it just, I don't know. It's it's all of a sudden, and I know that if she has been fired for what it's called the just cause clause, which can include her breaking an NCAA or conference rule, or knowing about someone on her staff breaking a rule and not reporting it, SIU can would be not required to pay her anything further according to the deal. So if she has done something like that, SIU will not have to pay her anything. But if it's something else, we've got to pay her out. So which, to me, I don't, knowing how recently, how in-depth the university has been, I don't know where we can afford to keep bringing in new ADs or new staff members or even new coaches at this point and paying guys out. I just don't see it. Yeah, that's a great point. And even when we think back to the, money that we do have to allocate towards you know obviously even though it's much deserved like we know nick hill got a, a extension after the spring so it's like added on to stuff even though that's really not a lot because when we talk about the depth it's definitely a lot more money it seems like overall um yeah just i i hate it that it would be this serious and that she would do anything and we we just said again how sudden it is and how this can just happen within literally two days and as we mentioned how you know, the fact that she's the butler for basketball, she's gotten that. She scheduled all these FBS opponents, uh, like the one we're at right now. Um, she's helped out in getting this these programs on the map. I mean, we, we mentioned how awesome Jerry Kill was in his time as AD here, getting the new logo, the new, you know, turf, field, uh, and then hiring all these coaches that he did. And Liz had a good hand in that. We knew it was in good hands when it was left to her, and it's just – it's just sad that it didn't take long because we envisioned, you know, because the trajectory that we that we know this program is and mainly most sports, we know what she does for football, basketball. But outside of that, those other sports, she probably does wonders for, too, that we don't exactly know any specifics for. So overall, she just did a great, a great, you know, a job. And the fact that it wouldn't come down to the fact that there wouldn't be any success while she'd be gone, it had to be something like this. So. A year and a half definitely is not long enough. We were hoping she'd be here for a long time because she's done wonders. And it says here 
Kubek, he when he served as the CEO of the SIU Foundation, uh, he provided oversight and leadership for SIU's Forever SIU found fundraising campaign. He helped the foundation raise the original $75 million for the campaign and up the goal to $200 million. The foundation raised a record-setting $28.5 million in fiscal year 2020 before the coronavirus pandemic. And we mentioned he's from UNC. He had a bachelor's in business administration and a master's in educational administration from Hofstra University. So, yeah, we're thinking because we mentioned the money that we got to bring in, they will have the big search. It's one of those things where even if, let's say, I mean, I don't know what he could possibly do before they find someone in the interim to do a good enough job to where they keep him. They would have to pay him, though, obviously, per se, what they would for a new guy coming in. So I'm sure, you know, this is a big news to him, to Kupik. Kupek, and he's going to have to come in here and do a really good job. We had a feeling Liz was maybe going to make the game today if nothing bad would have happened. I can't wait to see what else Todd or the Southern comes out with uh, any type of specifics on this. So in the end, like we say, it's just really unfortunate. Um, you know, we finally uh, getting to talk to Liz. She seemed amazing, and she's done wonders, as we mentioned. So, no final thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, I will say uh... – Somebody I talked to actually talked to her down at SEMO as well, and he told me that the biggest takeaways was, uh, number one, was how the debt on Saluki Way was still there. And he said the second biggest thing he took away from it, as for, for him, his, his opinion was that how uh, Liz and the new chancellor did not see eye to eye very well at, from the get-go. So that could be another thing there. So. Yeah, and that's interesting because, like we said, Austin Lane, obviously he's got the higher authority. Right. He's only been here for a year and a half, barely over a year, actually. So you would think him knowing, even though Liz has only been here for arguably half a year before him in that full role, that they would see eye to eye because she's done really good, that he would understand. It's interesting. There's so many behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't understand, so you're right. Good thing for pointing that out that maybe they didn't, and we know, obviously, we read the statement he had out there. So in the end, whatever Chancellor says goes to an extent, and that's just overall. That doesn't even you know matter towards maybe the current situation of how uh, legit whatever she did could be. So we do. We wish her the best. Like we, because this is the second straight week where something has happened, like literally the day before a game or a couple of days before a game that we have to work through. But as we know, the other one was in accordance to physically for the team itself to where they'd have to worry about, even though they knew to an extent what to expect. This one's more overall, but it won't affect the guys tomorrow. I wouldn't say so. Um, just crazy. So Noah, we'll, we'll end it on that. It's very unfortunate. Moving on, Noah, we wanted to start out with some stuff before we get into some bigger things. Uh, we just saw actually the helmets that we will be wearing tomorrow on nine 11 and they are crispy. That is correct. They are Maybe if we're wearing all white uniforms, I assume we are, they will look so good tomorrow. Yeah, the, the stars or the stars are on the head of the S. You can guys go check this out on Twitter. And it's through the mouth, of, like the front part of the Saluki head is the stars, and then the backside of the ears and such is the uh, stripes. It's really, really cool. Yeah, if they're on the white on white, will look tremendous potentially. Nick Hill had a quote, it's a privilege to play this game. We'll have a team that goes out on the field that's appreciative and understands the sacrifices that people have made so we can play football. And we did. We were going to get to it here a little bit, and we still will. He had his, his Monday press conference, and he 
detailed uh, what it was like for him. I think he said he was a junior in high school when, whenever 9-11 hit, and he just met, talked about everything that happened that day and everything with uh, what his school was doing. And obviously, they were freaking out. Even He was in he was in high school. I We were in – I think I was five years old, so I was in pre-K. And I feel like I remember madness around the halls that day, but I don't remember specifics. What do you remember? You were three. I so was I, three. I was in – Right across the street from you, preschool or whatever it was. You know, it, obviously it was crazy times. It's crazy how it's also the 20th anniversary. So Nick's right on that. It, it is, I'm sure, a privilege for them to play. And it's a privilege for us to keep living the lives we do and the freedom we have for, uh, you know, the service that we have. And then withstanding through these 20 years, trying to at least of the awful things that happened that day. So amazing helmet we'll be wearing to honor that. I wonder if Kansas State's doing anything. I don't think so, maybe, but not helmets or jersey-wise, probably. They may, get have that out a, there. Yeah, they may have a sticker on their helmet. I'm sticker. sure we'll have some ceremonies or something Ceremony. before the game. Exactly. Like a lot of, like we expect around the country, probably. So now, Noah, let's get into some rankings that kicked off the week as well. Uh, some surprising rankings, but I guess in the end, if you look at it, I guess not all that surprising. Uh, let's go through. The FCS came out with their new one. They had us wear at eight because we mentioned or haven't mentioned yet, obviously, but people have seen that Montana knocked off Washington and Montana was below us in the standings. And if you beat Washington, that rightfully deserves who to was, be. Who was ranked 20th, 20th in the country at the time. Exactly. I mean, that was as big a win as you can honestly get that all these FCS top 25 teams have faced. And didn't the FCS has gone eight and three, right? That's or in the top 25 against FBS schools. That's what they said in a tweet I saw earlier. That's today. crazy. So, yeah, let's get into this. FCS had us at eight, right? Correct. And I, like we said, I mean, I guess that's not – we go down, we kill SEMA, but we kill a bad team, and they did what they did, and everyone else stayed, you know, stood the same for the most part. So I guess we're not too upset. What are your thoughts on that? You're not too upset, right? No, not at all, especially with the jump. Montana jumping in front of us is why we slide down one spot. Yeah. And then the AFCA came out with one as well. A lot of things. Uh, what was theirs? Where did they have us? Well, they had us at nine previously in the preseason. They had us at ten, so we moved up a spot. Oh, okay. Um, they moved Weber State down to ten, who lost at Utah, forty to seventeen. So that is their coaches. And they ball. had uh, Montana was nine last week, jumped up to five. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's. Whatever. Uh, and the FCS one they had, yeah, the Eastern Washington, Delaware, North Dakota State, Montana up to four. Yeah, James Madison, South Dakota State, and then the reigning champ, Sam Houston, which SEMO gets Sam Houston this week. And then they can, we, we stumbled, obviously, on the way here and went through Columbia. SEMO gets Missouri. So they will be, definitely be 0-3. But we talked about how we hope SEMO keeps it close with Sam Houston to show that, obviously, we can play with Sam Houston as we know we can. And it just shows that. So, uh, and then the FC, this FCS Fans Nation had a rankings that had us at 10? No. Or was it at 6? 6, okay. So that's generous, even though this is one we don't really care about, I guess. I mean, it means somebody's looking at us and seeing what we did. So. At least not everybody's thinking the same. So, yeah, you're right. Um, they have Montana at 3, so. And they filled that out. So. Eight, nine, and six, not too upset. Uh, hopefully, if we pull something off crazy tomorrow, that we will jump big time. Uh, and then, Noah, there was a tweet about uh, weekly awards, obviously, for our team that, that they gave out. 
Uh, some are pretty obvious, as we've said. Uh, Nick Baker, obviously, Offensive Player of the Week with his 460 yards. Uh, defensive, co- the co-defensive player of the week. So obviously, Bryce with the numbers he put up. And Kevin Glacian, the new guy, uh, putting up what he did. He was all over the place in the backfield that game. We're expecting things again from both those two. But those three right there. Let's get special teams. As I mentioned, there was some confusion because he's 24 and Quay is 7. Everyone thought Quay got the fumble recovery. But Dre did, and rightfully so, deserves the special teams player of the week. Uh, and then let's do... Offensive scout team, John Nally, we've seen him walking around. He was doing the, the he was handing out waters at the SEMO game. He is a big matter, too. And then, yeah, looking at Peyton Reeves. We know the Reeves family is in the program. Defensive scout team. I'm sure they'll be here tomorrow. They are from Kansas. There you go. And uh, we did mention that aren't they only allowed to carry, what was it, three quarterbacks before, but I don't know what the overall, how many they can bring to places like this. I'm sure they can maybe bring the whole team, right, per se, maybe? Um, yeah. Uh, I know we saw most of the freshmen on the sidelines yes, or last week. I don't know if that's because it's only an hour, hour and a half down the road, but I'm sure everybody will be. Yeah, I think they would have some restrictions to make it happen in a place like this. And then Noah, this 2021 Leadership Council, which is really cool, uh, had a lot of players on here. I don't think it, it's the players you would expect, honestly. I mean, there's too many to honestly go through. Pretty, the best players on the team are on here. We'll keep it at that. You guys can go check that out on Twitter. That's cool. Uh, literally, the best players on the team are on there. Quite a bit of them. Uh, what are some other things? There was an article that Todd had about Tyce Daniel, Noah, and we know Tyce had a really big game. Um, last week coming in that, what was it? He said he only had however many catches in his career at Memphis. And he obviously had more than that in his first one. Uh, yeah, he does add to the aerial weaponry. Yeah, he had two catches in 28 games with Memphis, but he more than doubled that in his first game as a Saluki. This is the off the Southern Illinois by Todd. Um he mentioned how, yeah, yeah that, that 16-yard touchdown, obviously that paved the way and had a lot to do with everything. One of the nine people that caught a pass. It's really cool. It was a, the perspective of, uh, you know, that he does add to the arsenal, that he does add more than what we've had before at the position of blocking and stuff, as we've mentioned so many times, that um, they had a game here. He had two catches for 12 yards at Memphis between 18 and 20, so three-year span including a touchdown catch at Penn State, which is pretty good, really good. He's a two-time member of the American Athletic Conference all-academic team, and he played wide receiver, defensive back, return kicks, as we know, at McCracken County and, and Paducah. So some little more insight, as we've already probably said before, on ties. But, um, yeah, no, we're expecting big things from him tomorrow. He's got the FBS uh, experience, so we're hoping that he, uh, you know, does good, obviously, in this one tomorrow. Absolutely. He's a – he if, he, if we can spread him out wide, we know that in previous conversations with uh, other players that Tice, about, about Tice, that he loves to block, but he is a, a matchup night, nightmare for either a corner or he's fast enough if he's on a linebacker. It's a matchup night, nightmare. 6'4", 200 and whatever pounds he is, 260. There were some quotes down here. About Todd mentioning also something that we knew about how the depth came through in the game against him. There were some quotes here. 
Quay said, we have an incredible amount of depth right now, which is amazing. Once we get up and get a lead, we get our starting players out and get other guys in and get some reps. And we've, we've talked before, and we'll talk again here shortly about that depth and that we'll see potentially a lot of people, a lot of players in this game tomorrow. So moving on now, again, more NFL teams visited. Uh, who was the first one they kicked off this week? It was the... Detroit Lions were in attendance, and then there was another Niners, and maybe there was one more. With Bears in town? Yeah, that was, I think, prior. Yeah, prior. So there was only two, the Lions and the Niners. We had to get that out there. There's definitely a couple players we know they're eyeing, as we have been hearing. Um, Mike had to talk, and then he had a chance to talk with the strength and conditioning coach, Noah. Uh, Let's see. He... uh, Mead Smith, he had a chance to talk to him on Tuesday. Uh, what did you take from that? He pretty much talked about, uh, you know, how uh, these guys look, how fit they are, how uh, going into these games, physically imposing, how they put their will on SEMO, and then getting this, uh, you know, obviously facing Kansas State and the, um, you know, the challenges physically that that could present. So what else did he talk about? Yeah, Mike asked him, uh, coming from the spring season, what 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 did they really focus on, and what how did they take care of the bodies? And uh, he said that they did a lot of speed work this this summer, so that's going to help us in the long run, especially against FBS opponents. Yeah, but he, I think Mike asked him, uh, is there a difference in moving up to from his from his vantage point from FBS level, and he didn't see much difference. Because playing in the Missouri Valley, I mean, we got kids that can play at this level every every game you face, and we know that, so it's not a big difference. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear from him, as as we know that he is going to be a key part keeping these guys fresh, uh, keeping them healthy. As we know, we got trainers too as well, but he's a big part of this team, especially in the off season. Without a doubt, and we mentioned, yeah, his other trainers, we see them very active. A lot of women that we've noticed, I think, mainly, I think Riley Hostad of the uh, basketball teams at the SEMO game, just there just in case they needed him, I guess. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine being in charge of a football team for all the, you know, f- you know obviously physically daunting football is and the fact that he has to uh, take care of a whole football team is pretty crazy. So we know he does a really good job. And then another guy that Mike talked to, Noah, uh, he was Brian Anderson, who is now the assistant running backs coach at Kansas State. He was an assistant for the wide receivers at SIU from 0107. We understand he also played there in his time long ago in the 90s, early 90s. Uh, and he got a chance to talk to him. Just talked about they didn't want to. They did talk about Deuce Vaughn and that uh, he was talking about how he reminded him of SIU players in the past. Do you remember what player he said? I'm trying to think. Uh, someone that we know, I can't think of at the top of my head, but obviously with how small Deuce Vaughn is, we'll get to him down the road here. He mentioned how something that actually st- stuck out most was when he talked about the atmosphere of Kansas State. He said that because um, he mentioned the game, the week one against Stanford at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, talked about how if there were however many thousand fans, that about 80 of them, 80% of them were Kansas State. So they draw – Really good, a really good fan base. You know, we expect a pa- he expects obviously like they have before, especially with the home opener, a packed crowd. 
And um, he did mention our uh, running backs and how they've looked and what he sees in them. And he, he scoped out a couple of our players on defense for what his running backs to look forward to. So that was a good interview as well. Wanted to get that in there. And then Mike had a tweet, Noah, about our wide receivers. If I can find that here in a second. What was the... It was stats about landing and... Uh... It was a uh, fax before Saturday's game at Kansas City. Says wide receiver Landon Lamar is number four in career sep- career receptions, number four in career receiving yards, and 16 in career TDs. And wide receiver Vontae Cox is 10 in receptions, seven in yards, and number 10 in tied for 10th. Tied for 10th. Yeah. yeah, it just shows you know how far they've come and the you know the status they've built over their time here at SIU and we mentioned before how close Landon is to these records and if Avante keeps his trajectory with another year after this and we understand this is Landon's final year so he's had that extra year above Avante we know he came from Wyoming and and we'll get to he out he talked to Mike too we'll get to here in a second but yeah it's crazy seeing the because we've had some good receivers in the past year we know of more modern and we know from in the past that it's crazy that these guys are climbing the list like that, but I guess we're not really that surprised, are we? No, not at all. And uh, these these guys are good enough to play anywhere in the country, in my opinion. So uh, can't wait to see what them against Big 12 defense tomorrow. Without a doubt. And we wanted that here real quick before we get into the big stuff is they Slick Football tweeted, you can relive the last time SIU beat a Power 5 opponent. And the classic game rewind when we beat Indiana in 2006, this month, 2006, almost about a week to the day. So they went back and people could go look at that. We understand that was a big time in SIU history, good times. Nick Hill, quarterback, four touchdown passes. I mean, it's incredible. Winning a game like that, I couldn't imagine. Like, we know Indiana is known for a lot of things in their sports. We know their quality, especially nowadays they are for sure a good football program, beating a team like that. And it's kind of like the feel, obviously, of what we could put up tomorrow. And the kind of team Indiana was, were they ranked that year? They were just a good team overall. I think it just, you know, back then when we mentioned how many times we did make the playoffs in a row before that got cut short three years after this, but just how good of time that football had it back then and beating teams like that. So hopefully we can do that again tomorrow with arguably we've said the best team we've had in a long time. So now, no, let's kick in gear. Before we get to stuff about tomorrow, let's get an overview around the Valley. What, uh, obviously, other teams did this past week, what they got coming up uh, tomorrow. Yeah, let's get into it. As we know, um, one Valley team did have a week zero, te- week zero game. They are the only team in the Valley to have it, and that was Indiana State. They defeated rival Eastern Illinois 26-21. So that is a good start. It had been like 600-something days, I believe, for Indiana State the last time they played a game or something crazy like that since they opted out last year. Um, But as we know, Western Illinois, who was supposed to be the bottom feeder, was supposed to be awful in the Valley. As we know, they opted out midseason last year. They went on the road at FBS Ball State, who I believe in the spring competed in the MAC. Maybe won the MAC, if I remember correctly, but they only they they lost thirty one twenty one on the road. So that is interesting to see Western Illinois go on the road in an FBS school. 
Uh, as we know, Youngstown uh, had some had some has had some down years, but they got back on. They defeated an Incarnate Word, forty four forty one in overtime. Well, if we play Incarnate Word in the next couple of years, um, let's go on to South Dakota State, the big one, one of the big ones. South Dakota State went on the road at FBS Colorado State of the Mountain West Conference, they them, right? and they took it to them. They took it to them. As we know, their quarterback, the player of the year last year, was out. They got grad transfer from Samford, Ola Dokin. He was 18 of 28 for 224, two touchdowns. Pierre Strong had 138 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So Pierre Strong started out strong literally for his season. His last Not surprising. Season. Yeah, he'll be in the NFL one day. Um, we just went through there, went by campus, Kansas Hosted South Dakota, Kansas barely won, seventeen fourteen. And we scheduled them in a couple of years, so yes, uh, I believe they're playing at Coastal Carolina today. But um, North Dakota went on the road at Idaho State and beat them thirty five fourteen. North Dakota State hosted Albany, won with their new quarterback, forced, former four star recruit Quincy Patterson from Virginia Tech, won twenty eight to six. Some others, uh, Illinois State hosted Butler, beat them 49-7, put a whooping on the Butler Bulldogs. Um, the two the two, two other big ones, Northern Iowa took went on to Ames, Iowa, Iowa State, and gave them all they wanted. Their coach said they should have won the game. They only lost the number seven team in the country, 16-10. And also, speaking of the Big 12, Missouri State took the fight down in Stillwater, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State escaped Missouri State 23-16. So now we know what the other Valley schools have done in week one against the Big 12. So we have a, we got a measuring stick to show up what we're against in the Big 12. But looking this week, uh, tonight, upset alert. This is an FCS over FBS upset to watch. North Dakota is at Utah State. That is one to watch. Um, as we know, uh, Youngst- we have a lot of FBS opponents this week in the Valley. Youngstown's headed to Michigan State. Wow. Indiana State's headed to North- Northwestern. Um, I know that uh, in the state in the FCS, Northern Arizona travels to South Dakota. Valpo is headed to North Dakota State. That'll be a whooping. Um, Illinois State's headed to Western Michigan, so we know Western Michigan's had a good program through the years. Uh, Lindenwood, one of the Lindenwoods, I don't, there's probably multiple across the country, is headed to South Dakota State. That'll be a whooping. Western Illinois gets a test. They get to go to Montana after going on the road to Ball State. They're going to Montana. They beat Washington last week. That'll be a good one. And a couple other good games. Central Arkansas, who's ranked in the top 25, travels to Missouri State. That'll be a good game. And Northern Iowa is headed out to Cali and play Sacramento State. So that is a Look across the valley. That's we'll do this weekly post game and uh, Monday when we do our post game show. Since we won't be able to do it Sunday, we will recap the games this weekend. Yeah, those are a ton of good games. FCS is off to a great start and scheduling a lot of within themselves or the FBS opponents. Yeah, uh, we mentioned Kansas. Yeah, we will be seeing them. When we talked earlier when we were going through their campus, that uh, you know they've obviously never been really. A, they produced NFL talent, but they've never really been great. And we think, well, if we're on the trajectory that we think we can, we can sustain, that that will be uh, a big-time win 
couple of years, um, kill them potentially. So. Kansas is actually beating number 17, Coastal Carolina, at Coastal Carolina right now. There Nine to seven. Nine to seven, okay. And Wow. Uh, I think that that might show a little bit about Coastal. We know they were good last year. It's supposed to be good this year, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that one. So, yeah, a lot of good games. Uh, and you're right. If everyone else is beaten, we, we thought you and I obviously could cover against Iowa State last week. Uh, and it was really close, and they barely lost. So, I mean, Iowa State's top-notch, way better than Kansas State. So, that's interesting. Yeah, that just shows what, what we're in for with you and I this year, right? Those two spreads of those two games, uh, the Oklahoma State and Iowa State game were we, we talked about it. We actually bet on it. Yeah. It, it, was, it seemed too good to it be. Was, it was un, untrue, and we'll get to the spread of the SIU game here tomorrow. Or here for Reasonable, tomorrow. And it's, and it's a it's a lot uh, coverable for Kansas State side than those two were. Like, we were talking earlier about spreads. FCS, I believe, Alabama plays Mercer, and then it's like 56 53 and a half. 53 yeah. and a half. Like, that's unreal. That's, I mean. It's so rare. It's happened before, but you've got to take plus the points there absolutely so yeah overall so we're hoping all the valley school we hope a lot of them get upset to be honest with you but we hope they make the fcs look good in a sense so and we'll trim we'll do our best to make it on our end look good all right noah before we get again to kansas state stuff, we have a lot on the recruiting cycle to update whether that's uh obviously uh, commits and what they're doing high school thing and we've reached out to a lot of recruits recently too yeah we have uh, since we last talked we know uh we offered charles pierre jr he is a he's from uh, down in florida another we got the florida hotbed going down there so he's an athlete from florida we offered him i know we wish good luck we've been sending out a lot of those to recruits we're getting in touch with but uh, another athlete, Jylan Bam Bam and Thomas is his name. He's from down in Georgia, so we got the Georgia connection going again. Um, athlete. Athlete again. So we get a lot of athletes. I know Charles Young posted a picture of him in SIU gear. I think he's close to the decision. I yeah, think. we've been in on him for a while. We know on our Instagram account he was one of the first ones we posted about. Um, Trey Baker, another quarterback. He's actually committed to Abilene Christian already, but – We've talked to him and offered him, so maybe that means something to him. Um, ben Clawson, he's a, another athlete. He's from uh, – I forget where he's from, but uh, he's another athlete we have offered. Again, uh, Emmett Johnson, this is the one I really want. Emmett Johnson, he's an all-purpose running back in safety. He's, from, he's up from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is the number one running back in Minnesota ranked. So that is one. If we could land him, that'd be awesome. Six feet. He's six foot tall. Yep. Plays safety too. Uh, Nathan Rubel, who we've talked about before, we sent a good luck to him as well. So that is a good, strong case on the recruiting trail. We keep offering more and more guys. As the season goes on, we see more tape. We'll offer more guys. So we'll be sure to update you guys on that. Yeah, and going back to Emma Johnson, on a game from his huddle he posted on September 3rd, his team barely won, but he had 240 rushing yards, 300 all-purpose yards, and four touchdowns. So we haven't got the chance to watch that yet. I'm sure he's a great, great talent. So, I yeah. did. I think on his on his tweet where he said, uh, or maybe somebody quoted his offer, and somebody said, "What is uh, what is the University of Minnesota waiting on? Like they need this true that. So that's true. That's, that would be big." 
very big for them and very big for us. We'll still try to uh, reach out to these guys. We did wish, yeah, you're right, Nathan Rubel and all of them. We reached out and said good luck to all of them. What about, uh, let's see here. Another quick thing we did so early because we saw last week and it was funny because we've talked before on how we would love to drive this thing. The Saluki equipment semi was off and rolling yesterday. Uh, I can't wait to see that because when, when you see that, whether you're at home or whether you're on the road, you know it's time to play. We saw it last week and now it headed out yesterday. Cool video. And now, Noah, let's get into some of these interviews. Uh, the most recent one we'll start out with, uh, Zach Barola had a chance to talk to Gene Green about um, his game last week and what they can expect moving forward. That was a pretty good one. He mentioned – how uh, you know they went on a mission week one they got the job done how confident that he had to play in that game uh, and how he got into a funny story actually because they went back because Gene asked him how he got to SIU and he said well, obviously he was on a 13-0 and national champion JUCO uh, team in California that um, he's from Las Vegas and he during the pandemic when the pandemic hit they shut down JUCO's for playing in the state of California. So he went and what, he worked for a tree service company. Yeah, and he was he was actually working and he got the call and that's how he ended up here. Played a little bit in the spring. Yeah, he said he got here, I think, in like February. Yeah, he got here late and, late and played a little couple games in the spring and now he's with the injury to our All-American all, all linebacker, Bryson Strong. Uh, he has filled a good role. He's coming in and playing big, big snaps for us. Yeah, he mentioned Bryson because Gene asked him about the impact that he could make now that, obviously, yeah, Bryson is out. And he talked about how good Bryson is for the group on the sidelines. He's active. He's coaching them up. He's giving them advice and stuff. So that's good for Zach and being here um, and getting thrown in the fire. We Obviously, like we said, he was great on special teams. He was making tackles. He was everywhere. So that's cool. He seemed like a good kid. So we'll be uh, hopefully hearing and seeing his name a lot again tomorrow. Uh, there's another one now. I was going to play it, but it was just a short one about uh, Nick Baker uh, sitting down with Kendra Sheehan of WSIL just discussing, um, you know, how it was for him off his injury in the spring and working his way back to being the starter. And he just said how he had to stay confident. And uh, I don't know if that was a recent video or an old video. I honestly couldn't tell you, but. Um, yeah, the fact that six months later he was able to come out and put up the game he did, he was just proud of that. And just pretty much it's, it's like what Nick's been saying a lot and a lot of stuff he's been in that, just staying confident and having the confidence of his teammates. So that was notable. Um, we're expecting big things from him tomorrow as well. And then, Noah, this, this is one we haven't – I don't think how much he's talked to the media before. Like we said, when we saw a video, we didn't really know what Avante sounded like and we were kind of surprised what he sounded like. But he had a chance to talk to Mike, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, Mike was asking him uh, first. Yeah, he asked about uh, his first play, the first play of the season. I was talking about that, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good. He was talking about uh, him coming from Wyoming, blah blah blah. He uh, was talking. And he's about, got the experience, FBS experience already, kind of. Yeah, and he was talking about. Uh, I think Mike asked him about the speed coming up here to play FBS guys, and um, Mike was like, they, they probably got some speed that can keep up with you. And Avante's like, well, I wouldn't say that, but I think they'll be closer to the guys we play usually. But I still think I'll, I won't say that, that they'll be right by me. But he's, he's right. He's got the speed speed kills with him. He's only, what, 5'10-ish in that range. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, 
he was talking about the FBS experience coming up from Wyoming and stuff like that. And it's really good to see. It was a really good conversation. Yeah, he said that he could probably be prepared to see a lot of uh, press coverage and how Mike asked him how he can beat that. And he mentioned, yeah, that's when they got into the speed aspect. And he did say that no one can really catch up to him. And because we've seen before a lot of people talking about how Kansas State secondary really hasn't, uh, really wasn't tested in week one. Um, so they'll definitely be tested in this game, we're hoping. So, um, uh, so yeah, Avante. We'll be looking forward to put up big numbers again. Like you said, it's it's going to be hard to put up 187 yards like he did. But uh, we wouldn't expect anything less if he actually pulled it off. So there's his interview. And then, of course, Noah Nick Hill had his uh, weekly presser on Monday. We've talked about it that he was just asked about uh, about SEMO and, you know, the things they had to go through with the seating. He mentioned that. He was asked about him knowing – Kansas State's coach previously, but the one matchup, if it felt better uh, or different, knowing that he's playing a guy that he kind of knows compared to one he doesn't, he really said that really no difference. He mentioned the, uh, Dante, and something with his ACL, right? He'll be out for a while. Uh, which he, came, they, he came back from ACL, so we're not sure exactly what that injury is. Something if he, yeah, if he would have hurt it somewhat again or yeah, if it's completely something different, but he said he will be out for a while. What else did he talk about? He talked about how, I mean, just like we've talked about before, we love when Nick speaks and what he has to say because it's all confident-based, but it's the cliches of we're not going in here just to compete and, like, keep it close. We're coming in here to win. Uh, right now, that's just pretty much all the cliches that he that he, that he he listed. Um, facing a team like this because we talked about how before they've played in atmospheres. We mentioned the domes they'll play in. That it's just, you know, the atmosphere, that they're not worried about this big atmosphere that we'll be seeing probably tomorrow. And by the looks of it, when we showed up here, it's a pretty packed area. And we said what the running backs coach said to Mike, that this place packs up and the fan base is crazy. So they're not they're not scared of anybody. They're not scared of anything. They're just going to go out there and play and compete to win. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's absolutely. They're going to we'll be prepared. They're not worried about what the crowd how big the crowd is. They're going to be ready to play a football game, as we know. So, uh, yeah, like like you said, the domes we play in, they're probably be a little bit more packed than the domes. And sound-wise. Yeah, sound-wise, it's probably going to be similar. similar, But, uh, yeah, they'll be ready. I'm not, I'm not worried one bit. And they got a chance to talk to him about uh, the 2016 class, and Todd was asking him about uh, that Jeremy, obviously, as we know, out of Fishers, Indiana, that he wasn't uh, – uh, highly recruited to an extent he obviously still was uh, they had to flip a couple of these guys they said he was obviously headed to almost to North Dakota and he mentioned Xavion might have been the uh, highest ranked player they were in on that you know because he didn't know obviously that he was going to get the job as coach and when he was for sure that he was that that's when he convinced all his players to come with him I talked about that as well uh, going into because all, all obviously the seven starters from that class that he has today that uh, how much can be relied upon in a game like this. So, yeah, another good interview from Nick, and we'll be interested to see tomorrow after the game on our long car ride home through the night what uh, him and Mike discussed after a win or a loss. Um, now, Noah, there's a thing that Todd came out with, uh, another five questions deal about heading into this game. See if I can find it on my feed here. 
uh, as we know, to start the year, there were five questions that, that he had uh, going into the season and what we can expect or what uh, we think. Where is it out on the thing? Here it is. Okay, five questions. We'll try to answer these ourselves if they're like direct kind of uh, related questions. Um, well, actually, when I first clicked on it, it said, yeah, Khalid Duke, that great defensive end of Kansas State against Lucas Davis. I don't know what kind of question that is. I'd say that they have the advantage there. These are matchups. This is from – see, I, I click on these sometimes. I don't even know where they end up sending me. They, they have all these matchups that they can expect against these teams. Are, are you on the feed for the five questions? I had it before, and I clicked on it. Of course, it's not coming anything. What do you see on it? I do not see anything. Behind enemy lines, five questions by SIU to preview Kansas State's battle. This one dude tweeted about Todd's. Uh, thing must watch match. I guess it just must watch matchups. Yeah. So Lucas Davis, our right tackle against Khalid Duke. We would talk about this more, but we know we'll go over Kansas State more whenever we actually preview them. So I guess let me let me try to. Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about or something. But I thought there was five questions he had related. So I guess those are just five matchups. Either way, we'll get to that here in a second. And then speaking of Todd again. He was on a Kansas State podcast, Noah, uh, I guess in the last couple of days. We, we got the chance to listen to that um, on the way here, and he was just letting them know about what to expect from us, everything that's happened. They talked about Nick and his six years, how they're, you know, they're usually there's usually a three-year window of success for coaches that usually they get kicked to the curb if, you know, there was no success, and we know that wasn't really there for Nick per se. That uh, but they stuck with him obviously, and it's turned out to what it is today. They talked about him. They talked about his ties to the area, and they talked about yeah what to expect from our offense, our defense, everything. Todd went over all that, um, and then if we were to fast forward to the end, Todd gave him his or their prediction, and of course he said that we were going to win. And at first we didn't think he was going to go that route. Obviously he's confident and. We'll give our predictions at the end of this as, as well. He had a 28 to 27 victory on that. That's how he really ended it. And then Noah, they started talking about uh, them, uh, obviously from a Kansas State perspective, that they uh, assume it. Honestly, some of them were signing on the fact that it will be a good test for them because they're they're worried about Nevada next week and the first week that they had. They think this is a nice tune-up. Some of them did, and some of them said that it's a butt whooping that they would expect with an FCS program and the fact that, you know, they, who they think they are. And one of them mentioned how that they think they're a good team. And obviously they are, we agree that they are, but you know, we think we're obviously one of the best teams in the FCS. And if uh, going up against seeing what other FCS schools did against, especially big 12 teams or big FBS schools, then they could put up a fight. We have, a, we have a feeling that we can put up a fight too. Absolutely. We saw what, other Missouri Valley teams did against Big 12 schools that are were ranked higher in the preseason than Kansas State, so that just that just uh, shows what we should be able to do, and uh, we're going to come in here prepared. And yeah, some of those guys thought they would just handle it. Some of them acted like we're just another FCS team; they're going to handle us easily, which I disagree with. So. Uh, yeah, they'll see tomorrow, but, uh, yeah, from that, I, some of them were respectful and actually sounded like they knew knew more 
then the other guys I said there, it's, it's just going to be a blowout, but saying that we were going to keep it close. And yeah, and Todd, not surprised he picked a one point victory. Um, 28, 27 is a weird score, but hey, if it's a win, win's a win. Yeah, a couple of them mentioned how I think they picked a player that we might mention here in a little bit about he might get his first interception because they mentioned Nick and they got to watch for offensively what he can do that he's also prone to throwing picks. So it's just it's just hilarious because they do. They, they, they think to themselves, they know they're decent, but they think to themselves that they're like the best of the best per se, and this might be one of the best teams they've had in a while. Uh, but it, it's just, yeah, it is just funny that – even Barola and the thing we forgot to mention that he said they're just treating it like another game. They're not looking at it like it's, it's like whether they Kansas State people look down on us, but we're looking at it at Kansas State, I guess, like they're nothing. But that's because they think they're better than they are, and we know that how good we are at our level that we can compete with. You know, yeah, a Power Five school, but one that you know isn't deemed as high as others. So it is funny and it's interesting. So they will find out. I'll be interested. We will. Keep in touch with him. If we end up knocking them off tomorrow, we will definitely listen on the post when we will be sure to listen to what they say and their thoughts on it as well. So I forgot what the name of the podcast was. I had it on here, but I don't anymore. So now, no, let's get into Kansas State. Uh, as we know, that we just talked right there overall that they came off the, the Stanford win and they their defense held pretty tough. We talked about Khalid Duke. He is an NFL prospect big time, and our offensive line will have fits. But let's start with their offense, Noah. We obviously know, yeah, they have Deuce Vaughn. They have a couple other guys in their backfield. But let's get into starting at quarterback. Yeah, starting at quarterback. Actually, I was going to mention their coach. We know him, right. Chris, okay. Chris Kleiman. He, we know he – dominated the FCS at North Dakota State for years. He's actually fourth among active FBS coaches in winning percentage, minimum of eight years head coaching experience. He's fourth behind Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, and Lance Leopold. So Where's Lance Leopold? Kansas. So the teams we've been bad-mouthing are like Kansas. That's funny. But. So uh, Chris Kleiman is 6-2 and two in home openers. So that is a big one, as we know. He is a proven winner on both levels, as we know. He's he had a they had their his most uh, recent marquee win was last year. They took down at number three Oklahoma. So that's a big one. Yeah, but to get into their quarterback, it is Skylar Thompson. This is his final year. He is back actually tomorrow. He will set the Kansas State record for most starting appearances. So, yeah, he got hurt last year, right? So that's why they had an awful year. So he is back again. As we know, he is a dual-threat guy. I think he only made 14 pass attempts last week against um, Stanford. He was 13. Yeah, he had 13. or He was 9 of 14 for 144 and an interception. So they really – it was really a weird game. They uh, ran the ball really well. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn, the running back, uh, who I compare to watching his game, is a uh, former Charger and and uh, Saints player, Darren Sproles, an Eagle NFL guy. That's who he reminds me of. He is a – literally, once he – A guy that's his, just tough to tackle. His speed is unreal. He'll be a special teams problem if we cannot contain them. He had 13 attempts for 124 yards and a touchdown – 
I know on, during one point of the game, it was 30-13, they ran a draw play. He ran for 60 yards for a touchdown. So that's the kind of ability this kid has. He's a natural athlete. He has receiving skills as well. Yeah, five six. He's a soft. Yeah, he's a sophomore. I remember seeing on TV last year. I guess it was in the Oklahoma win, but I guess in games overall, it's like this dude is a problem, and he's a freshman. Get out of here. Yeah, uh, they have yeah. a lot of fullbacks on their roster. I see that. Yeah, uh, wide receivers Blake Knowles and Philip Brooks. Philip Brooks led them last week in receptions. Uh, Philip Brooks is the 2020 All American as a punt returner. So they welcome uh, tight end transfer Daniel Amadebebe. As we know, he's I know uh, as I know he started his career at USC. Then he spent a year with his brother at Illinois last year. So he is their tight end. He is a monster. They have a heck of a group in the receiving core, but really their defense was the one that is, is what to talk about as they can they tried to ride the momentum of an impressive 24-7 win over Stanford last week. The seven points given up were the fewest in a non-conference game against a Power 5 opponent since surrendering only six points at USC back in 2001. So that is big. They run a 3-4 style defense they are tough as nails as they come they have nfl prospects on that d-line they are going to be it's going to be up to our o-line it's going to be they're scary to watch yeah we we mentioned so many times on how um, huge that our offensive line will have to play um you know the domination of semo we thought semo had a good front seven and they did but you know this is this is another level, yeah. I mean, and we'll get to our dogs of the game. That just overall, we know because of just looking at them, the offensively, that even though he only had he only threw it fourteen times in the but Deuce Vaughn had one hundred twenty four yards on the ground. Like, uh, you know, you fully expect them to be a rushing. He had a fifty nine yard run. Deuce Vaughn did so. It's about containing the running game as it is for a lot of teams. For the most part, yeah, 144 yards in the air. If we make, it's like one of those that you make Semo throw, you beat him. If you make Kansas State throw, even though, yeah, you mentioned Phillip Brooks had 56 yard reception, 81 on the game. Uh, so obviously they have talent. It's one of those where you you don't want them to do anything because they can beat you any which way. But if you were to make them beat, you would be through the air. So that's when the James Caesars in our secondary would have to come into play. Uh, it's interesting, and then. Yeah, you mentioned their defense on how it's it's a big thing. We mentioned how in Stanford game that their secondary wasn't too tested. So we're thinking that obviously we will test it pretty well. Um, it's just all about we, we talk about how the game could go. And if it's one of those things where something bad could happen right away in terms of we get the ball first and we throw a pick on the first drive, they go down and score you're kind of feeling down in the dumps, but you got to get right back out there. And that puts stress on the defense, obviously, as well, which we don't want. We want kind of, and it's tough to say, you know, a smooth sailing kind of game. Um, but, yeah, if we give Nick Baker time to throw, he will dart it around. As we know his confidence, he's not scared of anybody. He's not scared to take a hit, but he's not scared to run if he needs to. He's not scared to throw a deep ball. And to our understanding, as we obviously know, our guys can get open. And – with the arsenal that we have, we talked about Isaiah Hartrip enough last week, not enough so far today, that he will pay dividends. He is huge on third down. It is, in the end, it's all about how Nick Baker is protected. On defense, it's about 
you know, it's a big, it's a big 12 offensive line. I'm sure they've produced offensive linemen in the NFL. It's about getting them. We know that we, that Anthony Knight, he might break the sack record this game. What a game to do it on. He's only a half sack away. Jordan, all these guys in their last year, when they know they can play a guy like this or play a team like this in the FBS, they're going to go all out. That's why I'm confident in our defense to an extent. We mentioned Caesar and Quay didn't have, have probably four tackles total to them. Last week, they're obviously going to have to do more. We know Clayton Bush will be around the ball. We know P.J. Jules, who's been getting talked about big time from a lot of people, uh, that he is a player to watch this season, as we know. It's just the, the depth at corner and secondary is going to have to be there. And just we're going to have to get Bryce Notry is going to have to obviously be the best player on the defense again, being everywhere. We wanted to mention, too, about when it comes to playing at FBS school, that Nick talked in his press conference that that goes in a lot of recruiting our guys. Oh, who do we play this year? You know, we, we know we're going to FCS school, and you're recruiting us. Who do we play at the FBS level? And Nick said that that's obviously got a lot to do with – because I can only imagine in a couple of years whenever we play in Wisconsin what it'll take in recruiting-wise. So he did mention that. So, Yeah. With the NFL talent, they got on one edge and then probably all over the place. It's all about protecting Nick. And we mentioned the running game. Todd said on that podcast that we're going to probably try to instill the run like we didn't do against SEMO. And it's hard to say that it will it'll be successful, especially if we only have Justin and Javon back there. Noah, do you think that we will see Romir and or Donovan? Yeah, speaking, speaking of the run game, we I was, I was told last – after the fact we found out that uh, Romier didn't play and Donovan didn't play, that they were held out for precautionary reasons. So that and they expect them to be back this week. So that is a big, big plus. We have four backs we can hand the ball off to. As we know, Kane Spate has a lot of experience on that defensive side of the ball. Of the 12 combined players, they're either coming back to Kansas State for a second senior season or transferring in from another. Another school, nine are on the defensive side of the ball. So they have a lot of a lot of depth on that side. They have a lot of experience. We know that they have their depth in the second secondary. Four of those transfers are in the secondary. So there is a lot to watch out for. Um, they are a great special teams team. They are they finished second last year according to ESPN in the special teams efficiency across the nation. Um, they since 2005 they lead the country in 55 punt return or kickoff return touchdowns. And second is your Alabama Crimson tied with 33. So that's 22 more than second place team Alabama in the special teams category over a 16 year span doing all that. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. At first you mentioned that those guys are going to be back, Romir and Donovan, to pull out all the stops, as we know we'll have to do, to where maybe that, that's where Todd mentioned getting the run game, and obviously we're semi-running team anyway. You mentioned that, and then you just mentioned right there, something we wanted to talk about is special teams, and that is what Todd asked Nick, that if anything on kickoffs that you were kind of whatever with, how there can be some improvement there, and Nick discussed that a little bit, and thinking ourselves – that especially against FBS schools, that is where you have to be at your most solid, arguably. We know you have to score points. We know you have to stop the other team from scoring points. But special teams, you just let you just read me a stat that is unbelievable. The fact that it is the team that we are playing is that 
number one and has that many touchdowns off kicks. Yeah, they have Deuce Vaughn back there, and they have All-American return man, averaged 23.7 yards on 11 attempts, returning last year, Phillip Brooks, a receiver. He's one of the top return men in the country. And also special teams, K-State blocked in their first three games last year a punt, and in the fourth game they blocked a field goal. So they are incredible on the special teams. That is a, as we always talk about, it is huge. We know both of our NFL teams are terrible on special teams. So we just know how big it is. And I always, I've, I've said, I say, we know Nico has the boot. I don't understand why. I know you want a coverage or there's a chance of a fumble or something, but he has the leg to put it in the end zone for a touchback every time. I don't understand why. We saw him last week, the first one he had, he kicked out of bounds. We saw a lot of, we like to pooch kick a lot to the sidelines, either sidelines, and try to cause something, either go down and have them try to bring it down, and we tackle them within the touchback, the 20, I think it's the 20 in the college, or we want to cause a fumble like we did on the punt team last week with Dre Newman recovering it. So I know that those guys, we can, we can cause problems on the special teams, but I, on kickoff returns with this numbers, I've told you put it in the end zone, Nico, just please. You have to, dude, because they will never fair catch the ball, punts or kicks. They will never do it. They know who they're playing. They will watch film on our special teams where they can pick it apart. They're too fast. These guys are too strong. He has to. We cannot let these guys return kicks. Because not only stat aside, before you read me that stat, I I said that either way it cannot happen. Because we've seen that before. That can change games, obviously. We can that can, you know, that can put you down in the dumps or it can elevates you if you're able to do that but just the level of players that we know we have on special teams can throw out there and then what they can have especially if they're doing all that they recruit you said all-american kick returner like they recruit probably for special teams to an extent and we talked about last game how some of our best players on the team want special teams for reliance purposes that might have to be the case here but in terms of running down deuce vaughn on kicks or so like that's tough so I would much rather definitely defend a punt than a kick because you get all that momentum. We know Jack will do the job. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and say the special teams dog of the game pre has to be Nico Galdoni. And only with the nerves he would feel on kickoffs with that many people there or during field goals, if he sinks a lot of field goals or makes the kicks we want him to do off kickoffs, and he is ice cold, he's a legend at SIU, he's almost to that point anyway. He will leave a legacy if he can make this game to where they have to beat us offensively and defensively, not through the air on special teams. Yeah, special teams, I went – well, you picked Nico. I picked Nico last week for it. But uh, I went with uh, Zach Barola, just interviewed with uh, Gene Green. And uh, he was last week watching special teams on the coverage. He was incredible. So that is a big one to watch. That was mine. And yeah, we know Jack. Uh, interviews with Jack, he says, is his uh most thing he wants to work on this year is fair caught punts. And we know last week he had, I think, you think uh, we punted four times, three of them were fair caught, and the other and the fourth one, well, we got us to fumble on it. So that just shows what he's capable of. We know he'll be up to the task. Hopefully, we won't have to use him a lot tomorrow. But if we know we do, he'll put pin them back deep. Yeah, we know obviously these guys are human, and Kansas State could obviously fumble. I just don't know if you take the chance with that. SEMO, you can get the fumble without a doubt. It's just 
special teams is what like I remember when Alabama plays the teams that they do, and I remember when Devontae was on kicks. He literally ran back, I think, three of them last year against bad teams. So that's where you make or break. And he's Devontae Smith. He's not even a player on Kansas State, obviously. But in terms of special teams and knowing the team you're playing, that they're really good at it, they're really fast, they're bigger, they're stronger than you, you just cannot let it happen. Arguably, if I'd say Nick Hill and his whatever keys to the game, all he needs to put on there is special teams. He arguably could just say kick it in the out of the end zone which Nico Wino has the boot. If he can do it consistently, then he's a god. But that and then put what, – what else would be on there? Kick it to the end of the end zone and um, he's fine Khalid Duke. The, the three I'm going to say he'll have tomorrow is these special teams. He'll say something about special teams always. Establish the run, maybe. I'm going to say uh, – he'll he could say that, but I was going to say explosive plays and – yeah, establish a run will be three. Those will be the three. So honestly, yeah, prevent big plays or have our own big plays. Turnover. He, he says some turnover, turnover battles, turnovers too. So when, you just you gotta. It's hard to play perfect football, but when the game's like this and you want to win, you have to play perfect football. Correct. So we now we want to mention the spread. It was on ESPN. It says uh, Kansas State is a minus seventeen, but on according to uh, Vegas, it says minus nineteen. So that's what we mentioned. It's definitely a lot smaller than it was for a lot of other teams, rightfully so for how good we are and how, you know, not comparing Kansas State to like Iowa State to why the UNI Iowa State spread was so big and the Missouri State one as well. So definitely reasonable. So if you're in a different state or anything and you want to bet on this game, I hope SAU fans wouldn't want to bet on this game because it's tough to bet on your team. As we know, we don't do it in anything else. So um, it's not that bad at all. And honestly, we'll get to our picks here in a second. So that is the spread, the pre-dogs of the game. We talked special teams. Mine is Nico, uh, and yours is Zach Barola. Zach Barola. Now let's get into offensive dog of the game. Who is yours? Mine was uh, not just one, but I'm taking the whole entire offensive line. And I, and as we just mentioned before, find Khalid Duke. The matchups are there. It all starts up front. With if we want to win this football game, we have to be able to one run the ball effectively because if we can get on a six, seven minute drive, maybe even five minute drive, giving your defense the rest they need, deserve. If we can get stops against this football team, we've got to play against tomorrow. That is big. So I'm going with the offensive line. I know it's not one player, but they're going to be my dogs in the game. And I honestly, if I were to find anybody else, because I agree with you wholeheartedly, because if you if you don't have a good offensive line, you will not be a good team. That's in every facet of football at any level, obviously. Because yeah, you got to run the ball through them. You got to and you got to protect the quarterback to be able to throw. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If I were to pick out a single player, it'd be Javon, because if they want to establish the run, he's obviously got a big part in that with his wildcat and. If he decides that they may end up having him throw the ball or catch the ball, like I said, you got to pull out all the stops. And if Javon has all three facets of the game that he can provide, I can see it. So you go offensive line. I agree with you. That's hundred percent the one and a single player. I will go with Javon and the defense. I am. I want to say I wanted to go with James Caesar because obviously he didn't have the game he wanted to. Maybe he didn't have to because they didn't throw the ball all that much. So maybe 
because we know PJ had maybe they because maybe they didn't go to James aside. Maybe I mean I didn't think of that that they stayed away from James. Didn't really throw at him. He only had two tackles. They did go to PJ and they found out he had a pass breakup and all that stuff. So I'd say James and the fact that he's obviously he's got to live up to being an All American and the great year he had last year that in a big game with big-time receivers and a big-time team, that he's got to come up big if they just had to throw the ball. We mentioned that they can run, obviously. Skylar Thompson can throw it only 144 yards on 14 throws. They might expand that. And, you know, I was going to go with Bryce because he's got to do everything again for us to win. But I'll go with James because he's got to set the tone and know that they still can't throw to his side. And that's when I hope they throw to PJ's side, and then he shows that what he can do, too, at how big how big he is and how good we know he is. So who's yours? Mine is uh, I went with a – he had a sack last week, and he was very effective last week. I went with Miami, Ohio transfer Richie Haggerty. Watching him last week, I was very impressed. So I think he'll have another big game with for us this, this week. Yeah, we talked about how, yeah, how great he was, how athletic he looked, how dominant he looked at times. And he will play a huge part. The whole like we mentioned how many players that can play on the defensive line all season, and we mentioned all the stops they got to go to or got to pull out in this one. That a lot of people will be playing. That hopefully our first team, which is, you want your best guys out there. So if your first team's out there a lot, hopefully they can be good and not just be winded. So we're going to play as many as we can. So I like that pick a lot because he arguably he's the best player on the defensive line on our second group. We know Keenan had a sack last week as well. Definitely, I keep it on Kevin Glacian. We know uh, he's big time, had a big time week one. We knew coming in that he was going to be this type of player. He's got to show out too. We got to have those dogs. D Fox where I expect to be big in the run game and big because we know they have a big offensive line to be pivotal on there. And then uh, Balazari, he needs to be huge as well. We know Anthony and Jordan will be ready to play. And our, we know we, Mikel to make his great tackles. If we were to pick apart everybody, Mikel to make great tackles, Barola to come in and be as active as he was, Bryce to do everything on the field. Um, Colby Coleman, we know, like I said, he didn't get in until about a little bit into the game. Obviously, when the second group got out there, he found his way. We need him to come up big with his experience. Uh, we need Quay to be the second best player on the defense, arguably because he can do it all, too. I mentioned Caesar in the secondary, so and then the guys coming in, Haggerty, yes, he has to be. We don't know. I mean, I'm sure they have good uh, offensive tackles, and you know these guys are strong. Our guys are, so they can make it happen. It's just crazy. Every single facet we have to be perfect in, and we understand it is getting really dark here, and we are going on and on. We could go on and on about what to expect, or you know our confidence level going in we obviously we are confident that spread means nothing to us because it's not that big at all and we know we can cover that for the most part um so quickly before we have final thoughts Noah, predictions final score predictions yeah uh, going to uh, last week uh, i went two and oh nick went one and one he took the under last week i took the over it hit barely so but this week going into it it's 19 is the spread I believe I'm taking I'm taking SIU plus 19, and I'm going to take the over. So what is the over? It is 55 and a half, I believe. Oh yeah, because oh. it even if we cover with that and they kill us, let's say they'll score a lot of points to where if we put up a couple touchdowns, the over will hit. So 55 and a half, yes. 100. percent So before you give a score, I will agree with plus 19 and the over 55. 100. percent 
So final score, Noah. This this hurts me because I know that we can win this game, and there's a really good chance we will. But I'm thinking we fall just short of a final score of 45 to 38. We're putting 38 points against a very good defense. So that's what my final score is. It hurts me to do that, but I just think we're going to fall short. Yeah, it hurts us both. And if we lose by a touchdown, obviously, as fans, we'll be proud of that because we mentioned down the road how it can look going in there and only losing by a touchdown. Uh, we know Todd picked them to win, um, and it is. It's hard for us both because we, we want them to win, yes, and we think we can win. But if we're being realistic and we think we'll cover and we'll hit the over, um, I think if, if anything, I think our offense will be fine. If anything, I think that their offense gets going along the defense and we, you know, even with how many people we can throw out there, it gets winded. And it even like, because we mentioned even on, on the Kansas State pod, they said that it can be close for the first half and then they expect Kansas State to pull away. That very well could happen, but I think obviously we'll still keep it close. What are the score I said? I said 42 to 28 Kansas State. So it's only a couple touchdowns. Um, and yours is a lot. And I said that off the top of my head when we first mentioned before we came on here. I might not be exactly what I would stick with, but I think obviously it's possible. Um, like I said, we both want to pick us to win, but we don't want to obviously either jinx anything. If we go in with expectations to play well and try to win, but if we go in thinking we're winning, we don't want to be badly disappointed. Um, so in the end, yes, we are confident. We are really excited. Six o'clock game. You can find this game on ESPN Plus and on Saluki Ray and Big Ten, Big Twelve Plus, Big Twelve Now, Big Twelve Now. Hey, Brandon Whedon is one of the analysts. Ooh. Okay, former legend there. Uh, and then you can obviously listen on one one point five back home. Like we said, Mike was the right outside near our hotel here at this pre party they had earlier. So we will be active tomorrow. We will try to wake up and go do some things around. Try to have some fun. Uh, barring anything bad would happen, we would have something to cheer us up a little bit. Might go uh, play golf. Who knows? We'll try to make the most that we understand. It will be hot. They talked about how, how it could be up to 99 degrees tomorrow. So we're lucky it is 6 o'clock for that reason, that, you know, by obviously by that time. We'll get there earlier so it will still be hot, but uh, over time it won't be as hot going into the night. We'll be playing underneath the lights in our great all-white with our 9-11-themed uh, red, white, and blue helmets. We were really excited, as we've talked about, ever since this game came out, and we knew we wanted to show up, and here we are. Really excited. We hope you guys enjoyed the preview, and it's very unfortunate what happened to Liz. So there's some down part to this, and then there obviously there's excitement for the game itself and thinking and knowing that we could potentially win. We want to know because Todd mentioned on the pod that we are, and we are, we obviously agree that this year we are thinking that we can win a national championship. So we will play every game like that. We will, we will play like it. We will act like it. And we know the players are really confident in themselves, not scared of anybody, as we've said. So even as fans, we, we know that's the case. So Noah, final thoughts before we wrap it up here. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be maybe minimum sleep tonight. I know uh, if you hear any background noise, they had a pep rally right near our hotel Things are calming down. Looks like the Wildcat fans are getting ready for a long day tomorrow as they take the L, hopefully. So, uh, yeah, cannot wait. Minimal sleep tonight probably from us. Yeah, it's been a long day for us, so we will cut it short here. It's time to go eat. So, um, for the Dogs Football Podcast, this is the Kansas State Preview. We are praying for a win tomorrow. 
keep in touch with everything we go. We will live tweet the game if the connection is good, way better than it was at SEMO for us. So we're expecting a full house. It will be great. We're so excited. So keep up to date with our tweets, and hopefully we can bring out a win here. So for Nick Malone, no large. until we meet again, probably on Monday for the post show, keep up to date on our t- and follow us on Instagram, Dogs Podcast, to keep up with that, and obviously our tweets throughout the game. So until Monday, go Dogs.